All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of PodNem. I'm your host, Shane Nemeth. Today, I wanted to do a quick episode recapping the NBA in-season tournament that wrapped up last night in Las Vegas with the Lakers taking down the Pacers 123-109. to And then I wanted to get into, um, at the tail end of this episode, some MLB stuff, just going over the two big moves that have happened this past week with Juan Soto to the New York Yankees and Shohei Otani to the LA Dodgers. So before I start, I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone who has listened so far, who's followed the Instagram page, who's reached out to me or came up to me telling me how much they like the podcast. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the support. Thank you for that. Uh, And we'll keep the ball rolling with it. So yeah, thank you. Moving on. Uh, Also, I wanted to do a big, next time I'll hop on here will be probably Thursday or Friday for a big UFC pod. UFC 296 is taking place December 16th on Saturday, and I wanted to do a big preview episode for that, previewing that card. And I'm hoping to get a very special guest on the podcast for that, who also goes by the last name of Nemeth. So (laughs) I'm trying to convince him. So we'll see. That'll be fun. So yeah, keep your eyes out for that one. Okay. Today, we are going over the NBA in-season tournament that ended last night in Las Vegas. Lakers, like I said, beating the Pacers 123 to 109. Just to quickly recap, because I haven't been on uh, this podcast in about a week. So the semifinals took place quickly in the East. The semifinals were the Pacers and the Bucks. Pacers took down the Bucks. West, Lakers, Pelicans, Lakers absolutely starts the Pelicans, beat them by over 40 points. A lot of Zion discourse and discussion after that game, and for good reason. I don't really want to touch on it too much right now, but man, he just looks like a mess. He looks out of shape. He looks like he doesn't care. He's not conditioned. I mean, he's huffing and puffing out there. He comes in off the bench. Two minutes later, he's gasping for air and it's a problem. You know, he, he kind of looks like a parody of himself out there, to be honest. I mean, like you look at his physique and like the way he's moving around on the court. It's it's bad. It's a mess. I don't know what will come of it, but the Pacers are I mean, I'm sorry, the Pacers, the Pelicans are frustrated. I'm sure their fans are mad. We're all mad because we know that you know, the level of talent that this guy has when he's right and he's in shape and it's not looking like that so far this season, so we'll see. Um that was a mess. That was a mess. He was getting so much flack for that. I I don't know what will come of it, but we'll have to see. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Last night, Lakers win on the back of just an AD masterclass. AD turned in his best game of the year, 40 points, 20 rebounds, four blocks. And he was just an absolute beast on defense, anchoring the paint, altering shots, blocking shots, just had the absolute, I mean, he just locked down that paint giving the Pacers so many, so many issues, so many problems. He was just a beast. When AD is locked in like that, playing at that level, he can just dominate any game on any given night. He is a top five player in the league when he plays like that on both ends because, I mean, the defense, I mean, he gave you 40 points and 20 rebounds last night, but it was almost like his defense was more impressive. He was just everywhere. It was, It's crazy what this guy can do when he's locked in like that, so... I think that's why everyone gets so frustrated with him because his fluctuating level of play is so 
frustrating because when you see what he can do last night, it's like, man, if this guy did this every night, he's MVP. You know what I mean? And he doesn't. So anyway, he was just incredible last night. Lakers did such a great job of just kind of getting Halliburton out of his groove, out of his game. They didn't let him take over the game like he's done, you know, this entire tournament. He he finished with 20 points and 11 assists, but he just could not, you know, get in a groove and could not take the game over. The Lakers did such a great job. The Lakers are such a versatile defensive team where they have so many of these like big wings and guards that they can throw at dudes. Like, I mean, they had Vandy, Christie, Reeves, Reddish, all these dudes checking Halliburton hounding him, making it so tough for him to, you know, get involved and get in the game and take over. Um, Yeah, the Lakers, when they play this level of defense, it's scary. It's scary. When they lock in like that, they have so many versatile dudes on the team, big wings, and then obviously the anchor of it all is Anthony Davis. So, yeah, he was the best player on the court last night. What was so funny about this game was the Lakers didn't make a three-point shot until the third quarter. They were 0 of 10 from three until the third quarter and they only finished the game with two threes. I mean, I don't know how you win a game like that, but yeah, they made two threes the entire night. They shot 15%, two of 13. And hearing that you're like, Oh, the Pacers won the game. Like that's the Pacers, you know, MO, right? Like they will run you out of the gym. They're going to make a lot of threes and hope you miss a lot of threes, but the Pacers didn't do themselves any favors because they also shot horrible from three. They shot 24% from three. 10 of 41, and they only shot 36% from the field on the game. I mean, the Lakers shot 54% from the field on the game. So this like sort of Pacers, uh, you know, game plan of running you off the three-point line, giving up the paint buckets, and then coming down the other end and getting out in transition and shooting a lot of threes, making a lot of threes, didn't work because they only scored uh, 44 points in the paint. They got murdered in the paint tonight. Lakers scored 80 six points in the paint Pacers only scored 44 points in the paint and then they weren't making any of their threes. So it was just a losing formula. I mean, when you don't, when you don't play defense like that and you give up points in the paint like that, but you're also not scoring on the other end, how are you going to win a game like that? So, I mean, Lakers may have exposed some things there in terms of like the Pacers plan and stuff, but you know, like I said, the Lakers defense was just astounding tonight. It, It was just lockdown level stifling. I mean, Pacers didn't really get any help from any other other dudes. I thought Matherin was probably the second best player for them last night. He finished with 20 points, but you know, he's a bench player. He's a six man. I mean, no one really gave them much of anything. Halliburton didn't have much help. Miles Turner was just in a blender the whole night in foul trouble. AD was giving him way more than he could ask for. So yeah, Lakers just on the back of their defense, take down the Pacers and AD turned in just an absolute masterclass. Um, Reeves also played well. LeBron played well. Reeves ended with 28 points and LeBron uh, I thought played pretty well too, but this was really just on the back of Anthony Davis. So yeah, Lakers go on to win the first inaugural NBA in-season tournament. Great tournament. Um, Excited to see where they take it from here and some of the you know, fixes and tweaks that they do to it. But uh, overall, it was just a really fun experiment, a really fun experience. And I thought it was a major success. So yeah, that'll wrap up the NBA in-season tournament. And we just go forth with the rest of the regular season. 
So we'll see where things go from there. But okay, enough of that. On to some MLB stuff. Like I said, two major uh, moves happened this past week with Juan Soto to the New York Yankees and Otani to the Dodgers. So let's start with Juan Soto. Yankees traded um, a bunch of their prospects, Michael King, Johnny Brito, you know, a few prospects, Kyle Higashioka for uh, Juan Soto and Trent Grisham was also in the trade, who was just, I guess, kind of like a salary dump. But anyway, Juan Soto to the New York Yankees. This is just what the doctor ordered for them. I mean, if you watched this team last year, you know, the biggest sort of uh, flaws with the team were their lack of balance in the lineup in, turn of, in terms of left-handed hitting and their outfield. I mean, I don't know how many different dudes they threw in that outfield last year. It had to be at least eight. I mean, I can't even count. There were just so many, whatever, just guys from Scranton and guys, you know, off the street just playing outfield for the Yankees, guys who aren't supposed to be outfielders playing outfield. It was just a mess. So, you know, you kill two birds with one stone with this Soto trade, right? You get an outfielder who's going to play every day and you get a big left-handed bat who is going to give this Yankees team a huge boost on offense. If he's not a great defensive outfielder, if you're looking for gold glove level play from him out there, you're not going to get it, but his bat more than makes up for it. And I think the Yankees and we all just kind of expect Soto to rake in Yankee stadium with that short uh, right porch. So yeah, I mean, this is exactly what the Yankees needed. I'm glad that the Yankees, you know, went out and made a big splash like this because you know, it's been, I mean, after last season, kind of, this was a, a gamble and a risk worth taking, right? I mean, last season was just unacceptable. They missed the playoffs. So it's good to see the Yankees kind of get that, get out there and make another big move and, you know, sort of reestablish themselves as, you know, one of the premier teams in the league. Um, like I said, this is a bit of a gamble because it, it's a one-year rental, essentially. It's not like Soto's under contract for three or four years. He is a free agent at the end of the year. So it's a one-year rental, but you know, when the Yankees want someone and he's on the team already, they're going to, you know, do their best to retain him. I, I haven't really seen the Yankees kind of lose a guy that they really want in free agency. Who's already on the team. You know, if the Yankees turn in a really good year and Soto has a good year and the Yankees make the playoffs again, I'd be hard pressed to believe that they don't resign him, you know? So I think this is a gamble worth taking. Obviously, there is the chance that the Yankee season doesn't go as as expected and maybe they miss the playoffs and maybe Soto doesn't have a good year and maybe he doesn't like New York or whatever the case may be. But um, overall, I think it's just a gamble you had to take and I think it'll pay off and I think he'll he'll resign. I think the Yankees will go out and give him what he wants, give him the money he wants. So, um, yeah, I think it was a good move. I think it's a move they had to make. They had to get some left-handed hitting in that lineup. And who better than Juan Soto? I mean, he's spectacular. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how the season plays out for them. But this is just absolutely huge. They probably took – I mean, the, the, the Yankees need to make some more moves around the edges and the margins, especially with their starting pitching. That's kind of up in the air right now with – I mean, Severino left – um, Domingo Herman isn't on the team anymore. He got cut. Frankie Montas, who was supposed to be sort of like, you know, a stable kind of like third, fourth guy in that rotation is just horrible. Missed all of last year. He was hurt. And even when he was pitching the year before that, he was terrible. 
Rodon, poof. I mean, he was also hurt last year, but when he did pitch, he was awful and had like a seven ERA. So, yeah, Yankees need to make some more moves. They're prob in terms of starting pitching, they're probably out of the Yamamoto sweepstakes because. I mean, they're going to have to give Juan Soto a big deal, and I kind of think they're pricing themselves out with uh, with that. I don't think they're going to be players now in this Yamamoto race because he's demanding a lot of money. I heard ballpark like he wants upwards of like two twenty, you know, two thirty. So the Yankees, I just don't think the Yankees can give them that and also resign Soto. So they're probably out on that, but you know, they'll they'll make some other small moves around the edges. Need some starting pitching. Um, you know, maybe need some more, um, left-handed batting too. Couldn't hurt. So maybe some stuff in the bullpen as well, but we'll see. Soto is the big move and it's like I said, just what the doctor ordered. So I'm excited. I really hope it works out and, uh, we'll see how the season goes. So next up is Otani to the LA Dodgers for 10 years, 700 million. It's the largest contract in North American professional sports history. I mean, it's essentially the biggest contract in professional sports history because, I mean, do we really count that like Saudi Arabia stuff with, you know, the soccer and live golf or whatever? Like, uh, so to me, it's the biggest contract in sports history. This, this is good for baseball, essentially. I, he had to get out of uh, the Angels, going to the Dodgers, a premier team, one of the biggest markets in the league, one of the biggest markets in the country. Um, obviously the LA angels, uh, are also in LA, but nobody cares about the angels. They're a mess. Uh, I'll get into them a little later, but you know, getting to the Dodgers, a premier franchise who always makes the playoffs, who, you know, has just about as much media coverage as anyone else. They're going to get a lot of national TV games. This just puts more spotlight on the very special player who really wasn't getting as much as he could before because he was on the angels. I mean, Nobody, the, the Angels didn't make the playoffs their four years of Otani's time there. His entire tenure there, they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, that's that's pathetic. The Angels are a pathetic organization. They're a pathetic franchise. They're an absolute mess. They didn't deserve Otani. Otani didn't need to be there. Um, so I'm happy that he went to, you know, a, a well-run organization that's going to make the playoffs and make some noise and just not be a total disaster because, you know, Atani deserves obviously that kind of recognition. So we're all going to see much more of him this year. We're finally going to see him in the playoffs where things matter more. We'll see him pitch. We'll see him hit. He's not going to pitch next year. They already said that he is not pitching in the um, 2024 season. So um, that's kind of a bummer, but like I said, we'll see him in October though. And that's what it, that's what matters. Um, so this is really good for baseball. I wish he could have gone to the East Coast. You know, easier for us East Coast fans who don't have to stay up till 10 p.m. to watch the West Coast games. But you know, it's whatever. So, like I said, Otani to the Dodgers, really great for baseball. You know, I think the Angels should just dismantle. They should get rid of Trout too, and they should just blow it up. And uh, yeah, send them to the moon for all I care because they're. They're pathetic. They don't deserve him. Uh, they're a mess. So I'm really happy for them. Uh, I'm really happy for the Dodgers, not the Angels. But yeah. So, okay. That about wraps it up. NBA in-season tournament wrap up. Quick MLB transaction stuff. Big moves out of the MLB this week. Crazy, crazy. I mean, Otani broke the internet essentially. So 
Yeah, um, that'll about do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Keep your eyes out for the next episode I'm hoping to do on either Thursday or Friday uh, for UFC and hoping to have a special guest on for that one. So thank you all for listening and I'll see you all next time. Peace.